<laughs> and that's the secret of the ninth degree in only a few words. Ah, oh, damn, we missed it. <laughs> <laughs> hope, hope you got that. <laughs> damn. <laughs> Welcome to episode 5 of Right Where You're Sitting Now. I'm Ken Eakins. Paul Banneker. I'm Ken Eakins, Paul Banneker, am I? Yep. <laughs> you that is to, your name. You want to say, and I'm Paul Banneker, surely. Okay. <laughs> anyway, welcome to the show. Uh, right, yeah. Oh, we, you're not leaving this into a show, are you? Yeah. You are? Yeah. That's good. Oh, uh, we've come off to yet another great start. Bob isn't even here yeah. to help us this week. Um, we're just getting lucky every week. Yeah, we're getting lucky every week. But uh, okay, right. We had a really good response to the last episode. Thanks a lot for all your emails. I really appreciated them. Um, thanks a lot for offers of help, which has been quite good. Which is more than Paul does. Yeah. Th- thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. We're very grateful. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that sounded very uh, genuine there, Paul. It was genuine. I'm, I'm actually really grateful that people are actually listening okay all right interesting all right well anyway we've uh yeah so we've had a lot of people helping right big shout out this week has to go to paul not this paul another paul uh he has made us a myspace page and it's really cool and you can check it out at myspace.com forward slash sitting now add us up because we'd love to hear from you that way and we're going to be adding a forum sometime in the next week to this site so that, you know, so people can easily comment. We try and make it as easy to access as possible. Although you can leave comments, but it's kind of tricky. I don't know. It's just a weird way our site's set up. I think. But yeah. Anyway. Uh, also, go. Yeah, we've been uh, we've been getting mentions in other podcasts as well, which is really good. Yeah, on Eerie Radio. Eerie Radio played our promo, which is really good of them. So we and uh, we were mentioned on out their radio. Yeah, out their radio's final episode, which is a sad, sad day for me. I love that show. But they announced some interesting stuff. But we'll probably leave that until next week when we have Raymond Wiley coming on the show to do our Occult 101 episode. Um, but yeah, no, I'd like to thank out there for 50 episodes of really good stuff. And um, also Eerie Radio for playing our promo. And we'll be playing their promo again this week in the hope of a continual loop of promotion. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe others will play our promo and... Uh... You have to play theirs. Actually, we'll play you our promo now, and but I'll pre-warn you, it is possibly the cheesiest thing we've ever produced in our lives. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we'll cut to the promo now. Oh yeah, it's a nice hot summer's night out there. Driving's cool, traffic's clear. Yeah, this next one's from uh, U2. What are you doing? This isn't our show. 
right where you're sitting now, investigating subculture and counterculture so you don't have to. The Occult, Paranormal, Fringe Writers, Counterculture, Underground Music, Weird Events, Conspiracy Theories. Check sittingnow.co.uk for the latest episode. Alright. <laughs> that was uh, interesting. We have so, to produce more promos of the same quality. Yeah, obviously. Because I think it really... Uh, as you can tell, we've never done a promo before. No. And we discovered loads of cool little jingles and noises. So we decided to, uh, to um, yeah, cheesify our promo, promo a little bit. But hey. Well, know. I guess the fact that we cannot actually make a promo would be a good idea for making a promo. Yeah. Just showing how not to do a promo. <laughs> our guest this week is the uh, the best scholar there is out there on the subject of Alistair Crowley, the OTO, magic. Quite prolific. Yeah, he's written a lot of books. But we'll introduce him a bit later on. So, member of the uh, Maybe Logic Academy. Yep. Yet another member yeah. we're interviewing. <laughs> we're going to work our way through the list, I think. Yeah. Because they're usually good guys. I think we've got a couple of others coming up in the next few weeks. But uh, I can't confirm all that yet until we've actually put the interviews. But anyway, um, yeah, that's. Uh, I'm looking forward to talking to Long. We haven't actually spoken to him yet. We're actually recording this before the. Uh, the Have you actually said the man's name? Oh yeah, that's true. Lon Milo Duquette is the yeah, name of the uh, Lon Milo Duquette. It's the name of our guest today. He's uh, like I said, he's a well-respected figure within the magical world, within the occult world. But the interesting thing about him is, like Crowley, he's funny. Yeah, he's very witty, much like Ivan Stang. Yeah, similar. Is, yeah. He's um, a lot of occult books you read are really, really yeah. dense, dark, elitist. really hard, really hard to get into. Yeah, whereas his books are really f- far more accessible. Um, he's, re- but at the same time, he's still really well first in what he does so uh yeah i think this is going to be a good interview i'm really looking forward to doing it and uh let's cut to that now lon milo duquette has authored numerous magical texts including the magic of alistair crowley understanding alistair crowley's thoth tarot and gods of the new millennium but without question his most popular work is the story of his own life as a practicing ceremonial magician my life with the spirits my life with the spirits has been optioned for a feature film and, and is a required text for classes at DePaul University, Chicago. He is often called upon to appear on radio and television to comment authoritatively on matters pertaining to the Western mystery traditions and matters of the occult. He travels extensively worldwide and speaks on a broad range of esoteric topics, including Kabbalah and Tarot. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks <laughs> for having me. All right. Um, first of all, I mean, in this episode, we really want to do a kind of 101 kind of approach i guess um for our listeners that may not have heard of magic and alistair crowley and the oto i was wondering how what how, how would you explain magic to the average man on the street uh well to the average man on the street they probably wouldn't ask what magic <laughs> is but um i use uh uh as a boilerplate explanation for magic the same definition that that crowley alistair crowley gave and that that is magic is the the science and art of causing change to occur in conformity with will. And um, so in the ver- broadest generic sense, uh, every willed action uh, is a magical act. Even blowing your nose is a magical act. <laughs> um, and any, uh, any unwilled action or any reactive kind of action is, a, is an unmagical act. But but when we really think about magic, magic with a K, uh, the, when we f- find a section in the library or a section in the bookstore dedicated to magic, it is uh, uh, an area of the Western Hermetic thought uh, that deals with uh, 
really applying your will through forces seen and unseen to uh, to uh, get what you want or get get what you need. So, uh, in a way, magic, uh, you know, it's a spiritual practice. It's a Western uh, spiritual practice, mm-hmm. and uh, in application, uh, the application of it is as broad as um, simple mental self-hypnosis affirmations and such on one end of the scale and getting down and dirty and whipping up uh, infernal spirits demons from your own from your own private infernal regions trapping them in a triangle and ordering them about i was gonna actually ask you uh, how how did you get into magic yourself i think there's quite an interesting story behind this well yeah sort of i was a I was interested in Eastern mysticism. Well, actually, let's back up uh, even a little further than that. I was interested in LSD. <laughs> and um, when I uh, graduated from high school out in the, the sticks of Nebraska, I came uh, back to California, the place of my birth, and uh, uh, pretended to attend college. But what I was really attending was the, was the 60s. <laughs> I moved out here in 66, just in time for um, a very, very colorful era in American culture. Up until then, I was I was just sort of a, uh, an agnostic, uh, you know, Marxist kind of young man, and politics was my religion. But uh, the, the evening, I, I dropped acid for the first time and spent the obligatory moments in front of the mirror. <laughs> Watching my, watching myself dissolve and putting myself back together. I knew that there was something uh, very, very great and wonderful in my mind that uh, I had been more or less missing out up till that point. And I got very interested in Eastern uh, mysticism and uh, fell in love with <clears throat> with the Tao Te Ching and uh, and the Yi Ching and uh, pictured myself gaining enlightenment like a yogi. And uh, but it it just seemed that uh, I couldn't get past what I then you know considered the ego uh, part of it because I didn't mind gaining enlightenment but I wanted to look really cool when I lost my ego you know <laughs> and, and so it seemed like I was playing uh, Eastern software on Western hardware and I started looking around for for something uh, that was. Um, more resonant to the to my western psyche um but comparable to to eastern mysticism and i eventually uh poked around and found uh found the kabbalah mm. uh, which which seemed to me that like uh it held the possibility of being like a western zen and um uh, and sooner or later uh, well i joined the Rosicrucian Order Amork and became active in a lodge uh, near me here. My brother said they were like mystic Freemasons, only they had women. <laughs> and I went, well, okay, I'll, that sounds good. <laughs> and uh, and I became uh, active in the ritual team at the at the Rosicrucians there, and I found out that I enjoyed, um, you know, dressing up in robes and strutting about in the dark. I like that stuff, you know, and um, it wasn't soon thereafter that I discovered the works of Aleister Crowley mm-hmm. and uh, sort of uh, dipped 
into magic, jumped in the deep end of the pool, and uh, I'm I'm still floundering around the deep end of that pool. <laughs> so would you say um, a, a lot of people, when they hear the word magic in the context of Crowley and the OTO, um, they tend to think of it as a religion. Would you say that Thelema, for example, was a religion? Um. Well, I can't speak for any other Thelemite. That's kind of the beauty of Thelema, mm-hmm. uh, is you can't really you can't really nail down a definition and expect someone else to uh, uh, respect it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, for me personally, for me personally, not as a representative of any organization or anything, just just lawn when he, in the middle of the night thinking <laughs> about things. Um, uh, Thelema is. For me, a religion, yeah, and um, or uh, as close to uh, what other people uh, view as a religion, what other people try to uh, achieve with religion, what other people uh, try to identify with religion, I uh, I uh, achieve and identify with Salima in in just the same way. So yeah, a lot of people. Uh, uh, you know, the word religion carries with it a whole bunch of baggage. Yeah. And and uh, uh, nobody understands that more than I, who who was um, pretty traumatized and, and beat up in the name of religion when I was a kid. And, you know, the last thing that, uh, you know, I thought that I would want to do was be in, involved in uh, in religion as I once knew it. And uh, make no mistake about it, I, I don't view Salima as religion as I, as I knew it uh, growing up at all. And it's entirely um, an individual uh, matter. And uh, if I have lots and lots of Salemic uh, colleagues that uh, avoid uh, viewing it as as religion, and I certainly respect that. Yeah. But when push comes to shove, it's it's religion to me. Uh, this gets to quite an interesting thing. Do you think that coming from a uh, really strict religious background would lead to uh, maybe interest in uh, in the occult and uh, Crowley and? Uh, well, I had a, a kind of a strange background, and I I don't know whether I can blame my. <laughs> blame my uh, uh, craziness on this, but uh, I had the opportunity when I was very, very young, uh, even before I st- uh, started to walk, um, I was, uh, and I, I think all of us uh, at this time of our lives are, are, are conscious of, uh, before we learn language, before we start to walk, that we have um, uh, infantile memories, infantile um, uh, level of consciousness that, that I think everybody more or less loses as they as they start to venture out in the world. But just as soon as I started venturing out in the world, when I was like two, uh, uh, once I started to walk, I uh, they noticed I had a terrible limp and, and it was painful for me to walk. And, of course, they thought this was polio, you know, back yeah. in 1950. And um, so they uh, they looked into it, I, and thankfully I didn't have polio, but I I had um, uh, a bone disease in my hip. It's called Kersey's disease. 
and that um, uh, there was no uh, cure for it. But uh, if I didn't get off my feet, I would grind my hip socket into dust. So they um, they put me back in the crib, and I and I and I was able to lay there, uh, you know, except for just a few few uh, breaks during the day. I was alone, staring up at the ceiling, still thinking those almost infantile thoughts and images. And I, I recall playing this game. It wasn't a game. It was like a, I challenged myself to think about whether I was ever off, hmm. whether I was ever not conscious. And I tried to... Um, think of myself as being off and I couldn't hmm. whenever I, I would I would picture myself uh, being non-existent my center of consciousness would move to somewhere else somebody else I'd become my consciousness would be centered on, on my, my brother or my mother or the you know the milkman or uh, I, I couldn't get myself switched off hmm. Yeah. And so, and so, I, um, I I kind of finally gave up thinking that that um, uh, you know it must be that I'm on all the time uh, in a in a very strange way, and I don't want to get into reincarnation and things like that because I I did have very very clear and very vivid adult memories of, of various kinds while I was laying there. I could drift in and out of consciousness 24 hours a day. So in the daytime, I wasn't completely awake. Mm. And at nighttime, I wasn't completely asleep. So I, so I had, uh, you know, a, a period of several years of um, uh, being able to actually toy with my consciousness. And, uh, well, I guess that's what made me crazy when I, when I grew up. <laughs> but... Um, you know, I don't know if there's. Um, I, I sort of half-ass believe in reincarnation. In that, uh, um, I think it explains a lot of things. But at the same, by the same token, I don't believe in a very linear kind of um, uh, incarnational theory. Mm. Uh, because you know, when you fall asleep, you know, when you take a nap, uh, you, you start screwing with time. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, you can take a nap that seems like 10 minutes and you wake up four hours later or, or vice versa, you know. So if we could screw with time so much just in, in our day-to-day -day life, then, then time must be really, really different um, when we're not, when our consciousness isn't uh, convinced there's a linear scale here that we're, that we're involved in. So... Um, it's not that I don't believe in reincarnation or or life after death. It's just I'm 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 not sure that there's uh, the word after even makes any sense. Or that <laughs> time should necessarily move forward and yeah. and all of that. And and maybe my memories, you know, came from genetic genetic uh, uh, memory and such. But uh, I knew there was something else going on, and I was I was very very sort of mystical um, from the get-go. Mm. And when, when I started uh, 
attending uh, Sunday school and Methodist Church uh, Bible school and things like that, it was just very easy for me to go, what the hell are you guys <laughs> talking about? Do grown-ups believe this? Yeah, you know, yeah. Give me a break. And so I was, I was sort of... Uh, uh, I was well prepared to meet the 60s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, you mentioned earlier on Alistair Crowley, and um, it's, I'm sure, I mean, we're still quite young as a as a podcast, but we're going to obviously touch upon him in quite a few episodes, I think. He tends to crop up in a lot of, uh, in a lot of places. <laughs> One thing I feel that people miss with Alistair Crowley is his sense of humour. Now, mm-hmm. now, I've noticed in the way you write, you tend to have a, a kind of, sense of humor to the way you approach your topics uh, mm-hmm. is, would, you, would you say that was influenced by Crowley in any way uh yeah well uh, yeah probably so but uh it, it was more in yeah, I would love to take things completely seriously and be a uh you know a distinguished august personality and uh because that's isn't that what occultists are supposed to be they're supposed <laughs> to be kind of dark and yeah but um, yeah, well, first of all, Crowley's uh, Crowley's humor uh, endeared him to me, and not everybody uh, gets his humor. Yeah, and um, uh, to me, that was that was a you know a sign of a very very high <laughs> you know a high intellect, and yeah, and not only that, but um, it made so many things that would have passed by my my glossy-eyed, terrible study habits. Uh, and uh, because of the, the humor, it just like it delivered it straight to my heart with a silver bullet of giggles, you know? Yeah. And um, so I, I didn't so much set out, you know, to, uh, to be funny. But um, over the years, in, in my, uh, at least my perceived duties as a as a lodge master magical lodge master uh, um when i teach people stuff I, I i've got to put it in a way that um is memorable to me yeah and uh, and i truly i'm a i'm a very simple man and um i'm a vulgar man too <laughs> 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 those two things uh uh together like my chicken kabbalah book hmm. uh was really based on on the development of uh, uh about 10 years worth of um, my weekly magic classes here where i talked about kabbalah and i put things in sort of an anecdotal format and as the years went by i just kept getting you know more outrageous and more outrageous with the illustrations yeah that uh and people were, were laughing, and I was laughing. We're having a good time, and all the dopamines were <laughs> dopamined up because we were giggling all night. And uh, come to find out, these people really, uh, really seemed to grasp very abstract and and profound concepts just out of one or two uh, dumb illustrations. Mm. You know. Yeah, I think uh, humor is is very important. If it wasn't for humor, I'd have no sex life at all. <laughs> now, I noticed one review of your um, from your website actually was a guy that has literally come up in every episode we've spoken about, which is uh, Robert Anton Wilson. Uh-huh. Um, 
he also approaches would you say in a sort of similar way he also approaches some quite heavy topics but adds, sort of kind of makes them more palatable by using humor i think it's definitely a kind of a a key to that style of writing i don't know if you agree yes oh yes I, and i enjoy bob's work very much and um um most impressed by his 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 casual uh casual humor and um you know he's he's one of my He's one of the gods I worship. <laughs> Definitely. No, I mean, uh, just quickly brushing on that. I mean, our last guest was Ivan Stang, and that uh, you both share a, uh, a similarity in the fact that you both teach at the Maybe Logic Academy, uh, which right. is an online thing. Could you tell us a little bit about what you do for the Maybe Logic Academy? Well, I've done two classes uh, so far. Uh, the first one was last year, uh, and it was an eight-week eight class on uh, understanding Aleister Crowley's Thoth Tarot. All right, and um, that was—I really, really enjoy the format of Maybe Logic Academy um, because it allows me to, um, you know, set up a class um, that's posted, you know, once a week at the beginning of the week, and that class not only has um, my craziness in it, uh, um, but it allows me to. to uh, the real fun is is on the on the forums, mm. and um, so I kept a, a very close eye on the forums. And there's there's tons of interaction uh, between the, uh, the students, if you want to call them students, uh, uh, the participants uh, between each other and back and forth with me. So it, it's it's a very um, it's a very lively and in depth. Uh, uh, experience and and it becomes uh, the members of the the class become good friends and uh, uh, they ask very good and provocative questions and make good and provocative observations hmm. and uh, so week after week we just get deeper into it, it, it it's better than a live uh, college course yeah in in that uh, uh, we we can all take the time when we have time to do it hmm. to to engage the subject and it's it's just absolutely a, a brilliant idea and the last one i gave was um uh was just completed when i left for for europe in uh late april um was uh on initiation the western uh, mystery traditions hmm. and what it was uh or that class, and that was six weeks, uh, was I really invented for the purpose of the class uh, a real goofy but real initiatory society complete with signs and words and grips and mm. and the whole the whole formula of uh, of lodge work yeah. uh, that encompassed uh, three degrees, lesser mysteries, the greater mysteries, and the supreme secret. Mm. And uh, I tell you, by the time that class came to a close, I was I was getting all misty. I was, <laughs> my eyes were puddling up because uh, I made so many so many friends, and um, we really went through a lot together. And uh, when I was in uh, London just this last week, mm. I got to got to meet a few of the. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing that. I often read about when I read about Crowley um, and 
I always find the actual ceremonial magic aspect quite fascinating. I know I've read an interview with you before. You talked briefly about it. I was wondering if you could tell us about your experience um, but, it to uh, do with cinnamon, I believe. Is it cinnamon? Oh, the cinnamon oil, that yeah. one. But yeah, I mean, could you tell us the story about that? Because I, I only really saw a brief kind of overview of an interview you did. Where it's always kind of interesting sure. to me. Well, that, that was my first uh, Goetic evocation. Uh, Goetia, Sol- Solomonic magic, you know, where you uh, conjure a demon into a triangle and you're in a circle and you whip it up and... And boss it around, and <laughs> but it was my. It was very. It was like one of my first magical operations. Period. Right. I was. Uh, I was a young man, and um, I had just uh, decided to to uh, quit being a musician, uh, just uh, for my own health. Actually, you know, yeah. being a musician is hazardous to your health. You yeah. <laughs> Especially if you're, you know, moderately successful, and mm. um, and I was for 14 years. That was my job. I had no other day job. Uh, I did studio work. I worked as an artist, um, made records. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you got to remember, this is in the late late 60s, early 70s, and that was a pretty wild time. And I, <laughs> you know, I shoved many a car up my nose and. Um, uh, I more or less had to make a decision if I wanted a stable family or uh, or just uh, you know burn out. Yeah. And stability uh, or, so inf- I, or I made the decision for the uh, you know to live. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and for that it meant that uh, I'd better just uh, get away from the music business for a while, especially the music business in Hollywood. Mm. And. Um, so that meant that I was totally unprepared for uh, objective reality, because I was trained only in music. I've been a mu- musician since uh, my high school days, and I was unskilled. I I, I only went to college to, uh, you know, score LSD, <laughs> and um, so I was unprepared for the real world, and so things were getting very, very. Uh, uh, scary as far as our finances were going, and um, but the bright spot in all of this was I was starting to get into uh, uh, magic, mm. and one of the first uh, books that was uh, recommended in my my early studies was the uh, the book the Goetia, and uh, it was recommended to me not. To do it, but to become familiar with it, mm. <laughs> and, <Yeah. laughs> and but I began looking at these spirits and saying, "Wow, these guys can do stuff for me." Mm. And uh, but my uh, my teacher, my magic teacher, which was uh, Phyllis uh, McMurtry, or later known as Phyllis Seckler, yeah, uh, and she had been a student of Jane Wolfe's, and Jane Wolfe was a student of Crowley's. Yeah, um, I really respected this uh, this woman and very proud that she had taken me under her wing and uh, I mentioned the fact that I wanted to do this uh, ceremony to uh, uh, change my life to get turn my life around she said no you don't do that stuff that's low magic you know and she said don't do that so I respected her um, but behind her back I was preparing to do it and uh, just in case things got bad 
well, things really did get bad, and I lost my last uh, guitar student, and and uh, literally was looking starvation at the in the face, mm. and I had a you know a three year old son and and a wife that depended on me, and we're about ready to lose the uh, not pay the rent, and and uh, so I said, well, I'm going to whip up one of these little suckers, yeah, and and, <laughs> and causing the to um, uh, change my life. Mm. Turn things around. Basically, that was it. My life screwed. Turn it around. <laughs> and um, so I prepared all things as as best I could according to the to the formula. And I uh, um, made a nice conjuration. And uh, but I was still really scared. This is the first time I've ever done anything like this. And I didn't really have a grasp of what it really was about. Mm. Uh, I I think even back then I had this idea that there there was this. Um, place in the underworld where these demons are sitting around playing poker hoping somebody doesn't call them call them up and make them do stuff but um uh part of the preparation was to to prepare or to to obtain this oil of a bromelain this anointing oil uh that was made up of uh, mostly made up of pure cinnamon oil which is it burns your skin yeah you know, it's put it on you and I had slopped that all over my wand, and then according to the book, you, you know, anoint everything in the, your temple with it. And my temple was my son's bedroom. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I said, go play in the living room now. Daddy's got to call up a demon. <laughs> all right, so you did it whilst they were all there. And... It, yeah. <laughs> and um, it was a very hot day, and I was in a black robe, and, and I conjured uh, uh, this thing up using, using my... Uh, little conjuration and and uh nothing happened hmm. and um i did it again only more more uh, uh energetically <laughs> yeah and um i by then i was sweating like a pig and still nothing happened <clears throat> and um i was standing there in the circle looking at that little cardboard triangle i'd made and um, the demon sickle was was in the triangle, and there's some incense there burning away. And and uh, I I had all the toys right, okay. I, yeah. But nothing was happening. Nothing was happening. And so I I guess I had a little nervous breakdown. <laughs> and at the time, I didn't know that having a nervous breakdown is what this was all about. And uh, but I had a little nervous breakdown, and I really plunged it myself into a very, very uh, grim and and uh, uh, depressing stage. Where, gee, uh, you know, all my life I've I've let good things pass through my fingers. The reason I'm I'm uh, starving to death here. The reason my little family is getting ready to be homeless here is because all my life I've. Uh, I've expected things to be handed to me on a silver platter, and that I've uh, the reason I'm out of the music business is because I'm too weak to handle the <coughs> you know this the uh, the the stress of it. I'm too uh, lazy to pay any real dues. Then I realized that this whole the whole thing that I'm trying to fix is I'm trying to fix something in myself, mm. and the whole idea of of uh, whipping up this spirit was pretty damn stupid because uh, 
you know, instead of going out and getting a job, <laughs> I conjure a genie to fix my life, you know? Yeah. Uh, and that's even more ridiculous. And, uh, and here I am in Southern California with no car, no job. You know, in Southern California, you've got to have a car just to, you know, get milk in the morning. Mm. Um, and I said, just look at you, you idiot, you son of a, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I started to just whack my wand against the, my, the palm of my hand, and I started to curse myself. Hmm. And I whipped myself up into a stage, and, and while I was all all the while I'm doing this, I'm staring at the triangle, not because I'm thinking I'm going to do magic anymore, but just as a place to nail my eyes, you know, while I crucify myself. And um, I finally come to the conclusion that as I'm yelling at myself, while I'm beating myself up, while I'm while I'm um, identifying the true source of my problem it occurs to me that the demon is a metaphor for this part of myself that's the problem all right, right. and it was it was a glorious epiphany that's what this is about i finally have somebody to to blame for all of this you know it's, and i can take it all out on this demon the demon is my problem the demon doesn't you know uh, the demon can fix the problem because the demon is the problem and the problem's with me, but my name is, in this particular case, Oroboth. Hmm. And so when that happened, the whole atmosphere of the room started to change. The whole uh, vision of the triangle and my own uh, perception uh, began to change, and the spirit started to appear. <clears throat> and... Um, well, and, assume, and I was kind of uh, confused at that point. I said, well, you know, the last thing I expected, uh, actually, the last thing I expected to happen was that the magic worked. Was, <laughs> after all, it's magic. You do it to escape. You know, <laughs> don't do it to make it work. Well, it was working. And, and uh, as, as it became clearer, I, I had to gather my thoughts. Well, anyway, sweat ran down out of my scalp over that oil of abramelin and it dripped into to one of my eyes and i and i took my um my my free hand because i had my my wand with the other uh just to kind of wipe the sweat out of my eyes and i realized that uh, the sweat was soaked with this pure cinnamon oil and my hands were covered with this cinnamon oil and then i just rubbed concentrated cinnamon oil into my eyes and Ouch. um <laughs> So it it literally was a case of the demon started to appear in the triangle, and then my eyes caught on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Not a good combination. And I couldn't keep my eyes open, and I couldn't keep them closed. And it was uh, it was literally um, a magical industrial accident. <laughs> and I had to um, I, I pinched my eyes closed because uh, it hurt less that way, and then I bounced off towards uh, towards um, the the bathroom that was connected to my son's room. And in the process of doing so, uh, I watched myself uh, as if I were perched in the, in uh, the, the corner of, near the ceiling. I could see, I could see magically. Um, you know, like when people say that they're on the operating table and they can, they can see the whole operation going on. Yeah. Yeah. 
was like that, only I could see myself bouncing around uh, toward the bathroom door there in that stupid little robe with the armpits that were too small, and I had a goofy little yarmulke on the top of my head, and I looked ridiculous, you know. And um, and it was not at all impressive because I was in true fear of losing my, my eyesight. Yeah. And uh, I went in the bathroom and uh, got in the shower and and uh, eventually washed it washed it out enough where I could uh, keep my eyes open. And uh, I eventually crawled back into the the circle and. Uh, I couldn't see the the, the spirit any longer, mm. but I I knew it was there, and I had a very very frank talk with it, and more or less said, you know, my life is crap, mm. and I want want you to do something uh, to to turn it around. You know, I've got no car, I've got no job, I've got, you know, do something, and do it without hurting you know me or my family or the neighbors or the fragile fragile ecosystem. <laughs> Do it, and I want you to do it in a, you know, in a half an hour. All right, well, that's the first part of the interview. We're going to roll a couple of, a uh, few ad breaks now, and uh, we're going to play you a song by an old Bollywood musician called uh, R.D. Berman who influenced people like Secret Chiefs who we had on uh, well Trace Burns who we had on uh, episode 2 and 3 and uh, it's kind of a cool cheesy little track that we really like and then as of next week I've said this for the last two weeks now as of next week uh, Paul the other Paul will be coming on and uh, playing some cool new underground music but for now R.D. Berman and some adverts <laughs> Eerie Radio opening the door to the unknown listener feedback really looking forward to the new episodes so keep up with your work guys thanks interviews there's so many movies so many documentaries even books that come out that have factual information in it that maybe you know this is a gradual way of kind of educating the public to as to what's going on visit eerie radio at www.eerieradio.com
So, uh, Scott, I've uh, I've kind of decided to become a superhero now. A superhero. Yeah, like you know, like a full, um, like saving people, burning buildings, pretty ladies, stuff. You know, all that stuff, all that good stuff. Really? Well, what's your superhero name? Um, awesome man. Wow. Uh, don't quit your day job. Hey, this is Scott. And this is Ben, and we're your hosts for Two Geeks, a Mike, and a Podcast. The show where we discuss all the latest news and rumors in the entertainment industry, all from a geek's perspective. The only perspective that matters. Join us on the web at geekshow.us. Where we come our friends at MySpace at myspace.com slash two geeks. Two Geeks, a Mike, and a Podcast. We're here to save your day. with this story yeah 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 no this okay is the, yeah. it said yeah you could do it but gee a half hour isn't very much how about giving me an hour you know and i start thinking well yeah an hour that's that's better okay an hour and then it said well you know an hour is not much once you once you give me until tomorrow to do it and i said well okay then i get this idea that uh, well maybe i should give it a month yeah. no six months in six months uh, something is bound to happen that I can say that that this uh, ceremony was a success, you know. Be, and then I, my, my mind started to go, yes, because if it doesn't work, if I don't give it enough time, I'll be a failure. Uh, you know, I'm already a failure at life. Otherwise, I wouldn't be conjuring a genie to help me out here. And um, uh, the last thing I want to be is a failure at magic, too. And uh, I'm going back and forth making deals with this little sucker and it finally dawns on me now wait a minute i'm in the situation i'm in because all my life i've been making deals with this little sucker and then the whole formula of what this was all about (laughs) became crystal clear you know the demon's my problem and he's negotiating with me no sorry you know and i said no i want it in a half an hour and it went well oh okay so it, it it reminds me of of the stories that you you hear of the medieval magicians. Um, they whip up a spirit, and the spirit says, um, "Oh, they they want the girl next door to fall in love with them or something." Yeah. And the demon says, "Yeah, well, I can make her fall in love with me, but you gotta kill the vicar." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's always some twist. <laughs> and they go, oh, "Kill the vicar." Well, okay. <laughs> you know? So sort of see that and I give it a half an hour and um, uh, within a half an hour something happens that uh, completely changes my life around and uh, eventually has resulted in this telephone call yeah. so, uh, but it's a long story and that's in the, the, the magic of, oh I guess in my life of the spirits I yeah I was actually going to ask you about that. It says on your website there's a film option on it. Does that mean we can expect a film at some point? Or? Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't hold my breath uh, on on that. So it was a couple years ago. It got optioned and it got um, a production company um, on board with it, and um, uh, it seemed like it might move forward. But um, 
Uh, it hasn't, as far as I know, that that project is, if not dead, at least in suspended animation for a while. Yeah. But it, uh, yeah, it got a very legitimate nibble. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, well, one thing I wanted to ask you about as well was the Ordo Templi Orientis, which, which you're a very high-ranking member, I believe. And mm-hmm. I wanted, basically, like, how did you get involved with the ATA? How did you hear about it? And how did you get to the level you're at now? Is uh, just one freak accident after another, I think, is the the complete answer. Um, when I was in the Rosicrucians, uh, I was also taking the tarot correspondence course of the Builders of the Aditum. Right. Have you heard of BOTA? No, I haven't actually, no. Well, it's a, it's a wonderful correspondence course in tarot and Kabbalah. So I was, I was, uh, you know, kind of interested in things on two fronts: the the, the tarot and Rosicrucianism. And um, one day, in uh, well, probably the early seventies, um, I was at a bookstore and I saw one of the first editions of the Thoth Tarot, mm. uh, the wiser edition with uh, it was in a beautiful slipcase box, and, but it had the the rose cross on the back. And um, and I went, ooh, Rosicrucian, ooh, tarot cards, ooh, two of my favorite things. And I bought the cards and took them home. They were they were published by uh, Ordo Templi Orientis. There was a, you know, on the promotional card there was uh, the lamin of Ordo Templi Orientis on it and a little and an address, a mailing address, and and I didn't know what the heck that was, but it looked really cool. Yeah, and. Um, I looked into the cards. Oh, that's a long story. The cards freaked me out because they were so beautiful, oh. uh, if that makes any sense. Yes, yeah, Frida Harris drew them. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, I, I eventually ended up writing that um, uh, that address on the cards. I wrote one morning after I had a dream about initiates sitting on the on the steps. And I thought, ooh, I'm supposed to join Ordo Templi <laughs> And so I write them, kindly communicate to me as you will. And I don't get a letter back. And, no. <laughs> and about 90 days later, I write another one. Oh, uh, uh, sorry about that first note. Uh, you know, kindly send me your brochures. And no brochures came. And by the time they eventually got back to me, uh, I'd, I had written another long letter. And I had no idea at the time... Um, that there were of at least uh, um, this ilk of Ordo Templi Orientis, just about, um, uh, there were five uh, living members left from old ninth degree members from Crowley's day, and that was the order. All right. Uh, Grady McMurtry, uh, who got his ninth from Crowley in, during the war, um, his wife, Phyllis Seckler, they got her ninth from Carl Germer. Uh, Mildred Burlingame, um, who was a ninth, uh, I think she got hers from Wilfred Smith. Uh, and Helen Parsons Smith, who was the widow of both uh, Jack Parsons and uh, Wilfred Smith. Hmm. The, I had no idea. I thought, oh, there's thousands of members and there's a big temple with golden doors and stuff. Um but when I finally took the bus up to get initiated, uh, I realized that this was a this was an order that uh, 
for all intent and purposes, was nearly extinct. Hmm. Because there's so few of us, uh, Grady was starting to initiate again. The folk tarot cards were were um, probably the, the the major outreach vehicle. And um, so, in a sense, I got in on the ground floor of uh, the the resurgence hmm. of the uh, Ordo Templi Orientis, and um, uh, the reason I have so so much seniority in the order is because uh, uh, other people died. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, so I woke up one day and no one's been in the order, no living person's been in the order longer than me. Um, you've just released a book about John D, I believe. Uh-huh. I, I was wondering if you could uh, give us a little bit of background on the book. And uh, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's the newest book that's out right now. I'm looking at it right now. Excellent. Um, it's called Enochian Vision Magic. Mm. And the subtitle is here. Let me look at the subtitle. Subtitles are so long, I forget. <laughs> An Introduction and Practical Guide to the Magic of Dr. John D. and Edward Kelly. Uh, I've given um, Enochian classes at the house uh, for, uh, gee, at least the last 25 years. Yeah. And um, the, the magic that we've done for most of these years has been the out-of-the-box, golden dawn, Crowley kind of Enochian magic, you know, work with the elemental tablets and and working with the aethers yeah. of the Enochian system. And um, uh, in 2005, I gave a 30-week class um, whereby we, we covered the aethers. And, uh, you know, every week we scry the aethers, and uh, uh, there's a Canadian broadcasting uh, documentary that shows shows a Monday night class grind session that just was broadcast a few months ago. All right. But um, uh, this time, this time I, I really took advantage of all of the, the original D material that, that is now available on, the, on the, the Internet, and a few kind friends uh, uh, sent me discs of, uh, you know, the Sloan manuscripts and such. And uh, for the first time, I got a really, really good peek at the, the periods of uh, time that preceded the, Eno- the reception of the Enochian material. Uh, Dean Kelly worked on the, their angelic workings for over three years. Mm. They worked together um, on other things a little afterwards. But for, for three solid years and change, um, they worked on this... Uh, angelic workings but the Enochian material as we know it today is only the result of the last nine months yeah excuse me yeah last uh, 90 days yeah of um, of their time together and the rest of the time um, was spent on two other magical systems that uh, that brought us uh, things that we're kind of familiar with, you know, the Holy Table and the the Sigillum de Mass, yeah, um, and other things. But you know, we're aware of them. But how the heck did they use them? <laughs> yeah. And so, um, uh, as I was reading along and and digging a little deeper, 
uh, it occurred to me that uh, Dean Kelly didn't get the Enochian material until the very end because they were being, as it were, attuned and prepared with these other two things, these other two periods. Yeah. Just like a modern magician uh, will will uh, start uh, learning pentagram rituals and, and things to, to attune his or her mind with... Um, uh, you know, the, the terrestrial sphere, the sphere of the directions and the elements and stuff. Mm-hmm. And once the magician is comfortable with that, um, you know, we move on, we expand our consciousness from the earth to the sun, you know, and do hexagram rituals and, and things. And uh, in that same way, that same step-by-step way, uh, it occurred to me that Dee and Kelly were being attuned. They were being prepared with these with these earlier systems. Yeah. They needed to create that holy table. They needed to connect themselves to the holy table with this special lamin. They needed to wear this ring. They needed, you know, uh, to to get into this groove before before the uh, the big Enochian bombshell was laid on them. So that's what this book does. And, uh, you know, the world doesn't need another uh, Golden Dawn, Crowley, Enochian, out-of-the-box book. Yeah, that's quite okay. a few. <laughs> yeah, but um, uh, it, at least my class and myself needed, needed, uh, needed this book, because it, um, uh, we use the holy table, we use the lamin. Okay, we understand how it's created, why it was created, what it was doing in Dean Kelly's mind, uh, so that by the time uh, they were talking with Nalvige and and getting the material that we are familiar with, these guys had had gotten themselves tuned up, and so this book is, to, is kind of a how to tune up to yeah. do Enochian magic. Excellent. Well. Um... Uh, there's a couple of things I wanted to ask you actually whilst I was browsing looking for pictures of you actually to put up on the website I always put a picture of the guest uh, of the week um, I saw a picture of you and part of my ignorance a picture of you with uh, Timothy Leary I believe I was, yeah. I'm wondering uh, if you could tell us about your experiences with, with, with Leary at all well uh, yeah Leary was one of my was one of my early gods <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I love I loved him, Larry. I, I wish I could say we were great friends, and that picture was just another uh, uh, one of our many laughing encounters. But uh, uh, actually, one of our lodge members was uh, uh, was his publisher in Peace Press, and uh, and we just wanted to uh, to thank Tim Larry for uh, raising the consciousness of the planet. Yeah. <laughs> so we, uh, we came up with uh, the first annual Adam Weishaupt Illuminati Award, <laughs> uh, and we presented it to him <laughs> at a at a public uh, public event, and that's uh, that was at that that award ceremony. Um, after his death, um, just recently, you know, or pretty well, just recently they had an auction of his effects at Christie's uh, yeah. in in New York. And the Adam Weishaupt Award was among the things being auctioned. So All right. I don't know who got it, but we couldn't afford to get it back. <laughs> the second annual award went to Bob Wilson. Ah, so. good, good, good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a big Wilson fan. Another person I'm actually quite a big fan of that I know you were in contact with was Israel Regardi. I was yes. wondering if you could maybe talk to us about your experiences with him as well. 
Yes, Rigardi was a super charming guy, and I was first introduced by uh, Grady McMurtry, and we went um, went to his house in Studio City, and I was most impressed because it was about 10 o'clock in the morning, and he served champagne cocktails. <laughs> I, nice. I was impressed with it. <laughs> And we found out that we were both D-Malay, you know, the Young News Masonic organization. Mm. And we gave each other the grip. <laughs> but anyway, he's he's a super charming guy. Yeah. And uh, 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 very, very vibrant and full of life. And uh, uh, very... Um, uh, well, yeah, he's the sharpest magician that I've met. Yeah. Okay? Not that all my other friends aren't sharp, <laughs> but he was really sharp. <laughs> and um, we uh, discovered early on that we both had a collection of letters from uh, people uh, who thought that they were Aleister Crowley's incarnation. <laughs> and uh, he had a file of them, and I had a file of them, and... Uh, we decided, and we started, and we agreed to uh, publish a book together that we were going to call Lieber Nuts. <laughs> and and uh, he sent me off. I'd get calls from him at work. He says, "I've got us. I've, I've got us another incarnation." And go to his book book launch. <laughs> you know, so he would send me on these on these uh, little errands where you know I'd go to. Some guy that self-published a, a book that uh, he was Crowley. <laughs> I talked to guys. Who, well, I don't remember. It. I don't have any memories of being Aleister Crowley. But if you could tell me a little something about his life, I'd be happy to remember. <laughs> well, and, oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say uh, thanks a lot for doing the interview. And where would, if people want to find out more about you and your works and what you're going to be up to in the future, where where would you point them to? Oh, my website which is just lawnmiloduquette.com. Okay. Well, thanks a lot for coming on. I really appreciate you giving us the time. And uh, Oh, thank you. And, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, hopefully we'll have you on again <laughs> with a better connection, probably, okay. <laughs> next time. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks a lot for doing that anyway. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Excuse me. I've got some information I'd like to share with you. Did you know that 26 billion pickles are packed each year in the U.S.? That's about nine pounds of pickles person. More than half the cucumbers grown in the U.S. are made into pickles. Hey, pickle boy, let's talk pickles. The Podcast Pickle, that is. The Podcast Pickle is your resource for all the latest and greatest podcasts found in cyberspace with thousands of podcasts listed and more added every day. Here's some of the podcasts that you'll find at podcastpickle.com. <laughs> Geek Foo Action Grip. Beachcast. Mad this Week in Tech, Warren Town Talk, NASCAR Zone, Shelly the Republican, A Voice from Eden, Jimmy McBean, Five Minutes with Wichita, Cinema Playground, Offbeat, The Logo Factory, The Exit 50, This and That with Jeff and Pat, Thoughts on Psychiatry, Web Hosting Show, Merlin from Berlin, Random Cast, Jazz with Tiger, American Road Trip Show, The Drew M Podcast, The Slam Idol Podcast, Forgotten Tales, The Zencast, XboxStation.net, How to Do Stuff. <laughs> Now, Pickle has a whole new meaning. PodcastPickle.com, the world's best 
podcast directory. All right, welcome back. That was uh, Long Milo Ducat. Yep. How did you find that interview, Paul? It went much better than I expected. What did you expect, did you expect it to? I expected it to be uh, less uh, about him and more just um, dense talk about uh, the rituals and the uh, Enochian magic and just magic itself. But I, I think the best parts were the uh, where he talks about his own experiences and uh, yeah, it's interesting stuff. I mean, his own involvement. I think he's definitely had a lot of experiences as well. Yeah. It seems, and he's met a load of really cool people. I was well impressed. Leary, Wilson, Israel Regardi, everyone is 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 insane. You were a bit uh, over enthusiastic about it, weren't you? Was I? Yes, you were. In what way? Well, uh, you. Uh, I asked him about it. <laughs> Is that over enthusiastic? I don't know. No, I mean in in general, uh, doing the whole uh, doing the whole interview. Was I? Yes. In what way? Well, there must be a reason why you. Uh... Oh yeah. Well, basically, we had a lot of technical problems, yep. <laughs> which didn't help. Again, we really need to sort that out, or maybe find a different uh, way of doing this because we have this problem every week where the Skype connection drops every time we're trying to call out to an out- outside line. It's fine when you're doing a a non-telephone version of the call but oh god it gets frustrating which we won't have that problem next week because thankfully our guest next week Raymond Wiley has a Skype connection yeah. <laughs> so uh, hopefully as long as he's still got a Skype connection we'll be fine it um, is only, it is only the fifth episode and uh, yeah we're still we're learning far better than uh, than I expected <laughs> you have little faith in myself yeah <laughs> oh dear so I mean, let's uh, talk a bit more about the about the interview. Uh, Paul, for the listeners out there, isn't a huge fan of the occult in general, but he find, I think he finds it interesting. I find religion very interesting, but some of the uh, the magic and uh, Aleister Crowley, for example, I don't find the person very interesting. Not very interesting, but maybe we can change that by uh, with some of the future guests we have on that maybe can uh, yeah maybe enlighten you on some of the because I think a lot of the time when people look at Crowley they think. They look at the the myth rather than the man, as it were. I hate that explanation. That well, <laughs> sounds quite cheesy. We're not looking just for agreement here. It's just uh, yeah, it's just interesting clarity. Yeah, I think uh, that's what. Yeah, it's good. It's good to explore these things, even if oh, yeah. one is skeptical. But uh, yeah, um, again, thanks for listening. We're really happy with the way you know this is all going. We, we love the feedback. Keep it coming. We love emails. The digs. We love the digs. The digs. <laughs> We haven't had many digs. Got to be uh, honest about that. Yeah, yeah, so we, dig we us. Did. Yeah, we <laughs> did dig. get digs. Um, but yeah, check out on MySpace. That's really cool. I think that's going to be a good way. We've actually you can get all the episodes on there, thanks to a podcast pickle who we advertised in this show and the last show. Um, they're really, really, really helpful, and I really want to thank P Dilly for just generally helping podcasters. And we're going to get him on the show at some point. I'm desperate to talk to P Dilly. He's a big helper in the world of podcasts and he does his own podcast google him you'll see what i mean but uh yeah so as i said earlier we've got next week we've got a cult 101 with raymond wiley we're going to look at the uh the the ins and outs and nuts and bolts the basics of the occult in case you didn't and that way you can go back to this episode and if you didn't understand some of the stuff we were talking about it might make a bit more sense and also this week we can get interviews again with uh with people like uh, decay and uh, go more in depth into the subject yeah i mean we're um I mean, we actually explained to Lon Milo Duquette that this was a kind of 101 interview yeah. as it were and we'd love to have him back and um, I'm sure he'll probably come back and do it he seems like a really nice nice guy 
there. So thanks to Lomayo to check out his website. But more importantly, at the moment, check out our website at sittingnow.co.uk. Um, you can email me at ken at sittingnow.uk. Yeah, sittingnow.co.uk. And Paul, sittingnow.co.uk. <laughs> that gets really boring, doesn't it? It does <laughs> get really that. boring. <laughs> well, you know, they have to know how to get us. Yeah. You can reach me on Skype um, on Ken Scanner, which is K-E-N-S-C-A-N-N-A. Uh, you can leave comments somehow on the on the, on the site. It seems to be an epic problem for quite a lot of our listeners. They can't seem to get the, the uh, comment section working. So we're looking into that. And we're actually going to add a forum, which I think will make things a lot easier. And it means we can you know, discuss. Although it could be our shame if no one posts on it. We're not getting a bit too uh, enthusiastic here again, <laughs> are we? No, I think yeah, a lot of people people have suggested a forum. So I merely, I merely uh, responding to their... Uh, yeah their requests but anyway yeah thanks a lot for listening this has been episode five can't believe it's episode five already actually it's quite impressive it is um yeah so next week raymond wiley and we've got some more great shows lined up for you some cool really big guests coming up which is uh but they're all booked into the future so we'll come back to that at a later date but yeah thanks for listening thank you okay bye-bye <laughs> bye-bye <laughs> bye-bye